Thank you all very much. This is, there we go. That's a little better. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today, so let me invite you to turn there again as we continue in our series. You know, I remember when I was a teenager living up in Ohio, a friend of mine took me hunting, deer hunting. So many of you know much more about that than I do, but I remember going and I remember all of a sudden here comes across. We'd been there all day. I mean, not seeing hardly anything. All of a sudden here comes a giant buck. I swear it had to be 15 point. It was humongous. Well, it comes in this sort of way, and you, you know how it is. You just can't get it unless they're just right in sight. And that sucker come right in front of me. I squeezed the trigger, and I knocked him. It was fantastic. Only time I ever went hunting. Now, let me tell you this. If you believe that, I'll tell you another one. All right? I've never been deer hunting in my life. But you know, there's something as we look at this passage today that it really does take home. Take it to heart. As you look, and some of you who have been hunting, you know all about it. You know you got to have that right shot. You know you got to be ready. And when that moment strikes, boom, you let it go, whether it's an arrow or your rifle, and you try to get it, and you get it quickly. Well, today we're going to look at a very important part of, of Scripture as we're looking at wearing our whole armor, the full armor, the complete armor that God wants us to wear. We'll look at the second part of it today, but I want to mention a verse that premises this that we'll look at in just a moment. It's found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Now catch what the wisdom is being said by Solomon. It says, above all else... Catch those words? More than anything else, he says, guard your heart. You know, Solomon knew a lot about guarding and not guarding his heart. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, you've seen Solomon share that side of life where he didn't guard his heart. Till he comes to the end and he said, you know, I've seen all this, I've experienced it all, and if I could leave you anything, it would be to honor your creator in your days of your youth. Guard your heart from the moment you can begin to understand how crucial it really is. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Sometimes we think we can just go cavalier through life, that we can do what we want, live how we want, it will be okay, I'm a Christian, everything is fine, and we don't understand the warfare that we face. Now, from a physical standpoint, remember, Paul is the writer of this passage. He's looking at Roman soldiers, and God gives him a perspective that begins to flow out, and he begins to understand what all those pieces of armor meant for the Roman soldier. And then he began to parallel them with how important it is that we as believers are also wearing the armor God wants us to wear. And so he notices these Roman soldiers. He knew them very well. And he knew that when they were in close battle, it could be hand-to-hand, -hand, it could be coming with axes, coming with who knows what it may have be, been, that if they got hit severely in the chest without having the proper equipment, the proper protection, it could penetrate the chest cavity and reach the vital organs and that soldier would die. He's reminding us of how important it is to be men and women who are on guard. 
men and women who knew the importance of the armor and men and women who wear the armor as God has given it to them. And so let's notice Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 14. We'll just read this verse. The first part is a reminder of what we looked at two weeks ago, and the second part, what we'll look at today. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. You know, if you're going to stand victoriously as a Christian against the schemes of Satan's attacks that come against us, then you must wear the armor Christ has provided. It is absolutely essential that we learn how important it is. We started two weeks ago with the belt of truth. We said it comes around our waist and every other piece of armor that we're going to begin looking at is attached in some way to the belt. So we have to be people of truthfulness, people of integrity, of honor. Our word means something. When we know that God is leading us to do and say what is truthful, then we begin to understand the importance of all the others. But if we don't wear the belt of truth, if we are not people, believers of integrity of that nature, none of the others will fit well. In fact, none of the other pieces of armor will hook on right, and there will be issues, and there will be problems. And so that's why Paul is telling us, start with the belt of truth. Be a person of integrity, of honesty. And then he says, then you can begin to put on what is needed next, the breastplate of righteousness. The Bible doesn't describe what that piece is like per se for the Roman soldier, but let's give an idea of what it would be like for us. Now, in a Roman soldier, if you're studying back in history, you would know that that armor, that piece would be from here about the neck all the way down to the waist, front and back, all the way around. You know, I've heard messages before that you don't have any armor behind you because a soldier's never running. Well... The truth of it is, it's all around you. It's vital for your protection from any area. I shared with my class today, I asked this question, have anybody ever been stabbed in the back? <laughs> yeah, you get it. You understand. So it can come from any direction. So the physical Roman soldier had to wear the armor. He had to know what it was going to protect him. He knew what it looked like. In the Nelson Study Bible, it said this, this breastplate was made of leather and, and maybe metal. Some of the higher rank would have theirs made of intertwined chain, tightly woven. It was worn completely around the body as the back of the warrior was also protected. For the Christian, the breastplate of righteousness is something that is not visible to the naked eye. If we would have a Roman soldier walk across here, we would be shocked, first of all, but we would notice the physical armor that he would be wearing. It would be visible to the eye. But when we walk across, I haven't seen anybody in here. Hopefully you're wearing this armor, but I haven't noticed it per se from a physical uh, perspective. And so it's, it's important to understand that it's not by the naked eye, but it's viewed by the actions and the attitudes of our lives. When we are wearing a breastplate of righteousness, it says that I am wearing the righteousness that Christ has placed upon me and is energizing me to live. Therefore, that's the way people see it. It's not just by saying, hey, did you see what I got on today? Doesn't work, does it? 
And so it has to be by people seeing it in our right actions. Because we all know what our righteousness in and of ourselves is like. Isaiah described it in Isaiah 64. Listen to what he said. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, sometimes we like to project that we are better than others. Sometimes we like to project that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty special, right, God? The Bible says, in and of ourselves, our righteousness does no good. Yet when we belong to Christ, we are to act righteously. He is righteous, and therefore he wants us to be righteous. And so we wear the armor that Christ gives us. In one Bible, a study Bible, it says this, because righteousness or holiness is such a distinctive characteristic of God himself, it's not hard to understand why the Christian's chief protection against Satan and his schemes is that armor. As believers faithfully live in obedience to and communion with Jesus Christ, his own righteousness produces in them the practical daily righteousness that becomes the spiritual breastplate. Lack of holiness, on the other hand, leaves them vulnerable to the great enemy of their souls. In other words, if we're not wearing it, we're exposed to anything. We expose ourselves to Satan's schemes, his devices. They come against us, and they can come very strongly. That's why when we looked at the beginning of this series, we looked in verse 10 and where it said that, that it, this strength is not something, this power that we can have on our own. It's said to be strong in the power of his might. We said it was a passive verb in the Greek. It means be made strong in the power of the Lord. Amen. It's not in and of ourselves. It's not raising up in the morning says, I'm going to be strong for Jesus today. Now, it's good to have that attitude, but it doesn't happen just because we say it's going to happen. It happens when we yield to the one who, to whose army we belong. Amen. And so we see that there's a designation. We see that the importance of it, the description, but there's a designation. Now, before I mention that, I want to mention one more verse. It's probably on the screen, Ephesians 5, 9, for the fruits of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. You know, we've said this before, when you have a tree, an apple tree, it's not the fruit that produces itself, is it? It's the tree that produces the truth, or the, the apple. In the same way, what is produced in us comes from God himself. And it said it was goodness, righteousness, truth. Did you notice two of those things are the very things that we've begun to describe that God says we need first? Truthfulness, righteousness. And so we see how crucial that is. And then we see the designation now, secondly, of the breastplate. Charles Stanley said, often the breastplate was marked in such a way as to designate which army or battalion a soldier belonged to. It was the emblem, it was the marking to denote the army. When we wear the breastplate of righteousness, we designate, we uh, show what army we belong to. We belong to the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when people see this armor, the way we live, the way we act, the way we respond to situations in life, they see that there's something different in our lives beyond what the average person is like. 
not again because we're powerful, we're good, but because of Christ working his righteousness through our lives. Rather than flying off the handle when something goes wrong, we say, Lord, I feel like it, but I ask you to control me and allow righteousness to come through. Rather than to give that cutting remark that you want to reply to somebody else, all of a sudden you say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to control my tongue, my lips, my mind, because what I want to say is not going to be something that is profitable. It's not going to be righteous. Lord, when I'm typing out or when I'm sitting across that person doing my taxes and I want to fudge some, Lord, help me to be true because that's the character of who I am. Truthfulness, righteousness is who I need to be. Lord, in and of myself, I don't do very well. So Lord, I need your help. I need to be designated as a person who is wearing your righteousness. And when we do that, is it any wonder that the world hates us? because they want us to be just like some of them. Oh, come on, it doesn't matter how you act, what you say, it's going to help you get by. And all of a sudden, we lower ourselves to their standards, and the Spirit of God begins to say, David, is that really who I want you to be? You've just shown me who you are, but is that who I want you to be? And therefore, you have to say, Lord, that was not right. If you, it's a public thing, even with another person, guess what you got to do? You can't just confess it to God. Now you got to be a person of character. Say, I lied to you. I wasn't honest. I said this. It wasn't completely right. And all of a sudden, you've got to humble yourself before God Almighty so that you are reflecting the righteousness of Jesus before other people. God expects us to be people of righteousness. Some have given some definitions of righteousness. One commentary said it's uprightness and integrity of character. Listen, when nobody else is around, who are you? Are you any different than who you are in front of others? Integrity, they say, character is who you are in the dark. Who you are when nobody else is looking to see how you're going to act, how you're going to respond. It's who you are between you and your Savior. Right acts produced by a believer. J. Vernon McGee said, it's hard in conscience underneath are tight with God. You're close, you're listening, you're obeying, and therefore you can see righteousness produced through your life. Well, there's a real necessity to this. And sadly, it seems like we as Christians think we can handle it on our own. We can be tough, we can be strong. Isn't that who we are as Americans? We're independent and fierce. But when it comes to God and our relationship with him and with others, we can't claim that. We have to do what God has already told us to do, lower ourselves to the control of the Spirit of God. When he begins to do that, we begin to understand the necessity. Or when we fail, we begin to understand the necessity of wearing that armor Without it, the soldier, the Roman soldier, was vulnerable to attack. In ancient days, as one man commented, many men believed that emotions resided in the chest. You ever had this when you feel guilty? Where's it hit you? Right there, doesn't it? When you feel scared, 
It hits you right there, doesn't it? It's the seed of the emotions. And so men believe that the emotions resided in the chest. This belief probably rose from the fact that so much of what we feel emotionally is felt in the part, that part of the body. And so with this in mind, it would be, uh, it could be that Paul uses the picture of the breastplate of righteousness as an admonition to guard our affections, to keep our emotions under control. Charles Stanley said this, the battle between righteousness and righteous, unrighteousness is often a battle between what we know and what we feel. We, probably most of us, know truth, don't we? But sometimes that feeling moves us, doesn't it? In a direction we should not be going. But man, I want to, or I want to belong, or I want to be with them, and all of a sudden truth goes out the window. So we have to guard it. We have to make sure we are believing truth, following truth, allowing truth to be the part of our lives, and then acting it out in a correct way through the power of the Spirit. No doubt Satan is the enemy of righteousness. I'm sure you've read it before, but let me read it to you again out of Ezekiel 28, how it describes Lucifer before he fell. It said in Chapter 28 of Ezekiel, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx and jasper, lupus lazuli, turquoise and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared you were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I adorned you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created. Catch these last words. Till wickedness was found in you. And that moment Satan fell on his own, came against God, was the moment he became the enemy of God, and the enemy of righteousness. And now anything that honors God, that blesses God, that shows up in the lives of believers for God, Satan hates. And therefore, he wants to come against us so that he can degrade God, degrade you, degrade Christ's church, because we're not wearing the armor, the breastplate of righteousness. When you give in to commit unrighteous acts, you lose the vital protection you need and you expose your spiritual heart to Satan. Now listen, there's not a one of us in here that has not gone through that. There's never been a time somewhere in our lives that we have given in to things we should not have. Thank God for his forgiveness, amen? But we're all vulnerable. We're all so human that there are those moments we do something, say something, think something, dwell on something, that all of a sudden righteousness goes right out the door. And the more we expose ourselves, saying just, yeah, come on, let's, let's stoke this fire. Let's bring it on. And when we do, we become really open to his devices. Now, here's a true story about hunting. I remember watching 
a television show. I don't watch a lot of hunting things, but it just captured my, my eye, and it was about this new gun that they could just drill through and catch these deers. And you can hear the guys, and they were, they were there, just a couple of them. They're whispering because they don't want the deer to hear. And of course, they don't want the, the deer to get wind that they're around, so they whisper so cautiously as, as any deer would approach. They seemingly had no shots until they waited and they waited, and there, there he was. Big deer, big rack, and all of a sudden, he literally comes out into a clearing. And I mean, it was a long distance, but they were proving how good this gun was. Guy takes that breath, squeezes that trigger. You hear, boom, you see that deer jump a little bit, and before you know it, boom. Hit him right where they needed to hit him to put him down. When that shot went off, that deer dropped, and as long as he was there, they ran down, they took care of it, and dealt with it what they did. But you know, as long as there was no open shot, it would have been foolish, wouldn't it? For them to use that new gun to show how powerful it was. They had to wait till that exact moment was there. The deer's vulnerable. He's wide open. He doesn't even know what's about to happen. You know, for the Christian, as long as we're doing what God wants us to be doing, Satan can't wait. Uh, Satan can wait and wait, but no kill shot comes along. Because we're wearing the breastplate of righteousness. But as soon as we do something we know we should not be doing, just like the deer, we're turned where Satan can get a good shot at us, and in a split second, he squeezes the trigger. Maybe it's a pop-up on your computer, and you know you better not click that button because you pretty much know what's going to be there. Maybe... Someone makes you angry, and the words of hatred are right there on the tip of your tongue. Maybe your friend offers you something that you know you should not take. Maybe a guy tells the girl, if you love me, you will. And all of a sudden, the moment of truth comes. The attack has been made. Are you wearing the armor, or are you not? You see, when we wear the armor... It doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. The Bible makes it so clear. We're going to be. If you haven't been tempted today, bless you. Most of us by this time today, we've been hit with something. Sometimes we're less sensitive. We don't worry about it, but sometimes they come on strong. Well, may I challenge you? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He says, draw near, come close with a sincere heart, with full assurance of what faith brings, truth. We believe God for what he says. First John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See that? Righteousness and truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. 
Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do those things, do what pleases him. We can have victory, but we have to be so cautious, so careful. We have to get up in the morning and to decide, Lord, I am going to wear the belt of truth. Lord, I am going to put on the breastplate of righteousness because I do not know from which direction an attack may come. And if I'm going to walk with you today, and if I'm going to wear your righteousness before others, I've got to start as I wake up. I've got to start as I get up. Let me ask you this. Have you guarded your heart? Are you guarding it daily? Are you letting the Spirit of God lead you, guide you, protect you? Because you're wearing a belt of truth. You're a person of character and honor. You're living it not because you think you can do it, but because you know you can't. And it takes the breastplate of righteousness to cover you. And you say, Lord, help me to be made strong in you today. Amen? That's what God wants. That's how God begins to protect his people. We yield to him. We wear the armor. I'm going to ask us to bow our heads for the moment. I think in a moment I'm just going to have Randy play. We're not going to sing today, but we are going to play and give you an opportunity. Some of you, maybe God's dealing with, and you know, whether you just need to come down and pray and say, Lord, I need your strength. Lord, I've been relying upon me way too much, and I'm not doing good with it. Or maybe you're saying, Lord, there's some things that I know you are pinpointing in my heart. Listen, it's a thing between you and God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now, if you would, stand with me. Our eyes are closed. Just between you and the Lord. And me, if you would say so, you'd say, Pastor, God is challenging my heart. I want to be that person of righteousness. And I just want you to pray for me. You're not even saying you're doing things wrong. You're just saying that is your heart to follow his heart. And you say, raise your hand. Just say, Lord, that's me. Pray for me today. That should be our desire every single day. I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to ask Randy to play softly. He can even start while I pray. If some of you even now need to slip down, just say, Lord, I want to see you greater in my life. I want to yield myself to a fuller extent. Lord, I want you more than I want to breathe. Maybe it's coming down. Maybe it's sitting in your pew. Maybe it's standing where you are, but you are fully committing yourself to Jesus, saying, Lord, it's me. The Father, help us to do what you know you want us to do. Lord, thank you for those who raised their hands, said, it is my passion, my desire to honor you, to live for you. And God, I do not want to be vulnerable to the attacks that the evil one brings my way and not be ready for them. God, stir our hearts today. 
challenge us as a church. Say, God, we want others to see Jesus in us. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. If God is challenging your heart, all I ask is you do what the Spirit of God is asking you to do. Father, thank you for the day, Lord, the beautiful singing, Lord, the worshiping together as a church family. Father, our times in our Sunday school classes before this service, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you have brought us to the point of knowing Jesus as our Savior. Lord, if somebody here does not know that yet, oh Lord, may they speak with a friend, a family member who they know is a believer, Lord, so that we could show them how to know Jesus personally. Lord, for us as individuals, Lord, I pray that these are more than just messages. I pray their life changes. Lord, I pray that these are those things that maybe we've even known, but we needed to be reminded of. And God, that you would help us to daily walk with you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. And together we said, Amen. Let me remind you, if you can be a part of our choir, Easter is right around the corner. Uh, If you can't come today, let Sarah know this week, but we would love, if you can carry a tune, you don't have to do it in the bucket, but if you can carry a tune, uh, you don't have to have a solo voice. We just want, if if you can carry it, we'd love to have you to honor our Lord together, amen, as we look through it. Well, Lord bless you. You have a great day, and hopefully we'll see you soon.